Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. I'm joined today by Fox Sports play-by-play man Tim Brando. And if you enjoy listening to this show, you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, you can catch up with me on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Tim, where do the people find you? Find me at Tim Brando on Twitter, Timmy B on Fox on Instagram. And if you want to check out Facebook to see a little more personal side, you can do that too. And now it's time to talk with a Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer about a team from the state of Louisiana that is going to play USC in the Cotton Bowl on Monday, January 2nd. It'll be a 10 a.m. start Pacific time, noon in the central time zone in Arlington, Texas, where they will be playing the game at AT AT&T Stadium. You can catch it on ESPN and on the USC radio network, KABC 790 AM, the flagship station. USC, of course, ranked 10th in the college football playoff final standings and 8th in the AP and coaches polls. They'll be facing the Tulane Green Wave out of New Orleans, 16th in the college football playoff standings as the top group of five team. That's why they get into a New Year's Six Bowl game, ranked 14th by the AP, 17th by the coaches. They also were 11-2 this season. And they are coming off of a 45-28 win in the American Athletic Conference Championship game over UCF, avenging their lone conference loss of the season. Their other loss was an inexplicable one against Southern Mississippi earlier in the season. You've already mentioned him. The head coach, Willie Fritz, in his seventh year at Tulane, just a 42-45 and record there in New Orleans, but he was the 2022 AAC Coach of the Year. He's led the Green Wave now to four bowls in his seven seasons at the helm, and they were plus nine wins from last season, which is the best turnaround in FBS this year. In the all-time series, no one's going to be shocked. These two teams have only played three times. USC leads 2-1 in the series, but the last game was played way back in 1946. The first ever matchup between these two teams was actually in the 1932 Rose Bowl, if you can believe that. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is when these two teams last played. And you look at a couple of the guys to look out for on the team for Tulane on the offensive side. You've got junior quarterback Michael Pratt completed 64.5% of his passes this year. 2,775 yards, 25 touchdowns to just five interceptions, but he's a dual threat guy, 114 carries and 10 touchdowns. Their fourth year junior running back, Ty J. Spears, 212 carries, 1,376 yards, 15 touchdowns to lead the team in all of that. They've got some good receivers as well, led by senior Shea Wyatt, who transferred from a D2 school up to Tulane. So I should stop talking about that. You're the expert on these New Orleans <laughs> and Louisiana teams. I'm going to let Tim Brando tell us what we should be looking for out of the Tulane Green Wave. Well, first and foremost, now one of the things you got to realize that 42-45 record is a bit misleading overall. Tulane's program was almost dormant. They were considering dropping football. That's how bad it was at Tulane 
before Willie Fritz got the job. They made an investment into a brand new stadium that was on campus. Tulane had been playing its home games at the Superdome. It was one of those situations similar really to what the UCLA storyline is, where you couldn't get the kids to come off campus to go down to the dome. It wasn't really a home field environment. So what did they do? They they invested, they reinvested into football, decided to build a, a smaller, but really uh, more equitable stadium to get the students to come and to get the fans involved. And despite the two and 10 record last year, they went in and played Lincoln Riley's at the time, number two Oklahoma team and played them off their feet. It was a very close game. And during that period, Hurricane Ida came through the Gulf Coast region, and it forced Tulane last year in that 2-10 and 10 season to move to Alabama and play some of its games, its home games, away from that great stadium that they had just built. Now, fast forward to the start of this season, and you mentioned the great uh, back. He was the conference player of the year, Ty J. Spears. He's an incredibly quick cutback runner with great straightaway speed. If he gets to the second level, he can run away from just about anybody. He's got surprising power inside the tackles as well. You talked about the quarterback, too. And Pratt is a guy that is basically a guy that can run option as well as RPO. And that package of options to go along with RPO is what makes them dangerous. Their defense is a lot better than people realize. It's really the heart of the team. Linebacker Nick Anderson is their unquestioned leader of a defense. He almost single-handedly beat Kansas State by himself. He was all over the field a tackling machine, NFL quality linebacker, reminds a lot of people of Sam Mills, the great uh, Hall of Fame middle linebacker that played for the Saints and the Carolina Panthers and started with Jim Morris Sr. with the Baltimore Stars in the USFL. They got good corners. They got guys that I think if they match up, they're willing to play man coverage against USC. The reason is Jarius Monroe, a good size 6'1", 6'2", guy, best of the cover corners really in the league, He had a dozen pass deflections, a couple of picks through the course of the year. They do have good pressure that they can bring off the edges. Darius Hodges and Patrick Jenkins are two bookends, both second-team all-conference defensive guys. Not big, but extraordinarily quick. So how they bottle up Caleb Williams, how they determine they want to to handle the second level and, and make sure that those multiple receivers that are sent out Those defensive ends, by the way, are capable of peeling back and being essentially outside linebackers and getting into pass coverage, too, based on the defensive calls that are out there. Pratt was incredible. He had 25 touchdown passes. He had 10 touchdown runs this year, and he only threw five picks. So that, to me, tells you about the efficiency of this football team on both sides of the ball. They did lose a game that they shouldn't have lost, but they also beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati very late in the year, which helped propel them into the conference championship game. And then to go and win it and avenge the the earlier loss to UCF was something that was very important to them. Everyone, it seems, in college football has that occasional hiccup, that game that's an aberration. I think the Southern Miss game was that. And again, I go back to this. Historically, Tulane does have a great history. They were once a member of the SEC and pulled out in the 50s. Shortly after World War II, they decided to de-emphasize and become more of a school for the, quote, academics. Those kids that didn't get into Ivy League schools would come down to Tulane, a big liberal arts school in a lot of ways. But I think this reinvestment 
into college football that just really happened within the last handful of years is something that uh, Willie Fritz is counting on. And, you know, he's he's a guy that other schools are looking at. But for the time being, I think he wants to stay at Tulane because uh, with the level of realignment that's still out there, the city of New Orleans is, uh, you know, a market that's coveted to some extent. It's not a big market, but it's a coveted market. And Tulane's got tremendous history. As you mentioned, those Rose Bowl games dating back to the 30s. It's been a long, long while, though, a big drought for them as a program. And uh, to have been as close as they were to folding their tent and not playing college football at all, to be where they are now is extraordinary. This is the first major bowl game for Tulane since the 1939 Sugar Bowl, if mm. people can believe that. They did go to the Potato Bowl a couple of years ago, lost to Nevada there, but won a couple of previous bowl games under Willie Fritz's tenure here in Tulane. So obviously, Fritz's turnaround season here has garnered him a lot of finalists for Coach of the Year awards. Some of those Lincoln Riley is also involved in, so we'll see who ends up winning some of those Coach of the Year awards. It may end up being a guy like TCU Sonny Dykes, probably, who's going to win most of these Coach of the Year awards, really. Mm -hmm. But Lincoln Riley, Willie Fritz, both involved in those award season type of stuff. And you brought it up. USC has traditionally been an awesome team in the Rose Bowl. But in other bowl games, it can sometimes be hit or miss, depending on if USC is motivated to play. That's yep. one of the questions you have coming into this game. And their history at the house that Jerry Jones built is not good. In uh -huh. 2016, I was there for the drubbing that Alabama put on USC to open the season. And then they lost in the Cotton Bowl a couple years later, 24-7. They were not in either of those games, really. So they have bad memories of being in that stadium as a program. And some of those trips to Texas have not been fruitful for USC in recent years. I was at the game in Austin when they lost to the University of Texas. So in the Cotton Bowl, USC has played one other time besides the loss to Ohio State. That was during my freshman year at USC. They won the 1995 Cotton Bowl led by Keyshawn Johnson's amazing game, had three touchdowns in that one. So I think there are questions about, first of all, is Caleb Williams fully healthy? The guy yeah. popped a hamstring. Those things are notoriously hard to recover from quickly. So I think the question surrounding USC is, are they motivated to play in this game? They're missing two key offensive linemen. Both Voorhees and Nilon are injured. They will not play in this game. Travis Dye already got hurt. He's not going to be in this one. Jordan Addison got banged up at the end of the year. So he's taking the game off to get ready for the NFL draft. So with all of these questions surrounding USC, do you think they're going to come ready, motivated, and able to put forth their best effort? Because if Caleb Williams isn't healthy, he can't be that magician that we saw yeah. all season. No, and I'll tell you something, Nora. The one thing you left out there about the history in Dallas or the history in bowl games that are not named the Rose Bowl is the start time. You know, it's an early start, okay? And, you know, by rhythms of players, especially those that are accustomed to playing in big-time games at night or late in the afternoon. And, and listen, I've done my fair share of West Coast games that are, quote, late afternoon games in the East Coast. They're still played at like one, you know, out there. And that was the case with the Utah-UCLA game you know, one of my favorite games of the season that I got to call, I think that was around week five, Spencer and I, I had that game when the Bruins sort of announced that they were back and that they were going to have a really good year. 
I think when you have to play that early, Tulane's accustomed to playing early games. You know, when you're in the American Conference, if you get a date on ESPN or ESPN2 uh, on a Saturday, it's likely to be a 12 noon, 11 a.m. Central Time game. You know, they play those games at that time. So I think the, the start time is something that favors the Green Wave. And I think that, again, when you are the, quote, group of five representative, you're motivated. I mean, you're automatically motivated. Go back in time with Frost's run at UCF when they beat Auburn. They were playing them in Atlanta, which was essentially a home game, only a two-hour drive for Auburn people. UCF was certainly more motivated than them. I think the same is likely to be true here. But, you know, this is where Lincoln Riley and his excellence as a young coach comes into play to keep his team focused, to keep his team locked and loaded and buttoned up. You know, the attention to detail uh, in games that are played like this when your guys are in a different place, playing at a different time that they're accustomed, and even though they're playing an accomplished 11-win team, they're looking over there on the other side and they say, my God, those guys aren't as big as we are. I don't really recognize any of them. You know, those things work mentally on players. And this is where having guys that are self-motivated and guys that are easily motivated really comes into play. And that's one of the things that Lincoln does a tremendous job of. I came in here today absolutely ready to tell you that I thought Tulane would win this game. I'm not going to say that because I think USC's coaching staff, and particularly Lincoln, is good enough to make sure that even if his team is challenged, they can still come away with a win. I don't think it'll be a pretty win. I think it'll be pretty ugly. They're going to have to fight, scratch, and claw to perhaps get it, maybe even come from behind to win it. And I'm basing this on Caleb being good to go. You know, Caleb has got to be good to go because he's he's not just 50. He's, he's 75% of your offense. I mean, he really is in every aspect because he overcomes, you know, the loss of Voorhees is big in your offensive front. There'll be some pressure coming off the edge, but he is a superb athlete. He's so much better than just about everybody else on the field when he's on the field that I think he gives you a a chance to win, even though I'm, I think it's going to be a very dangerous one. And one that um, if your fan base is thinking, take the over and uh, maybe not the cover, (laughs) I think you'll be in good shape. Well, you lead me right into it. It's time to make the predictions for this <laughs> game, Tim Brando. So let me go over how I've done against the guests so far in the 2022 season. I come in leading 14, 10, and 6. So 14 wins, 10 losses, 6 ties, which means if we did this normally, even if you swept the three categories, you wouldn't be able to catch up. So because it's a bowl game, and because I want to make it interesting, it's double points. So, Ooh. Tim Rando, you, if you sweep me, if you get all three predictions right, then okay. you could, on behalf of all the guests I've had this season, <laughs> win the predictions trophy for this season. I've never been defeated in making predictions in all the years we've done this podcast. So, let's see what happens. But we're going to make it interesting. It'll be double points going into this prediction. So, we always start with the players we believe in. Who's going to be the best Trojan in the game? And I'm going to go on the defensive side. I'm going with Tuli Tui Pelotu in what could be his final game as a Trojan. He hasn't made up his mind yet if he's going to turn pro or not. But you would think that a guy who's a likely first-round draft pick would probably be leaning that way. But he is going to play in the bowl game, And so I'm picking 
Tuli Tui Pelotu as the player I believe in. Tim Brando, who are you taking as the player you believe in for USC? For defense, you know, to me, the difference in this game is going to be how many times can your guys cause problems for a quarterback that's also pretty good and has escapability. I think Figueroa is the difference maker if that's going to be the case. So I'm going to go with him. I think Nick Figueroa, the redshirt senior, is going to be the guy that's going to be the difference maker if USC can pull this off. He'll make some big plays, maybe get a pick, maybe get some hurries, maybe get some sacks. So we're both going on the defensive side of the ball for the player we believe in. I'm taking Tuli Tui Pelotu. Tim Brando's taking Nick Figueroa. And now the winner and game score. I'm going to let you go first, Tim. Who's going to win? What's the score going to be? And I should mention for all of our fans out there, Bet Online, the sponsor of the show, currently has, as we record this on a Friday afternoon, USC as a two-point favorite in this game. Yeah, what should tell you what Vegas is thinking. Yeah, this is a dangerous game for USC. I mean, I'm not alone in thinking that upset alert is in play. I'm going to stay even closer on the number and say that this is this game's going to be won with a walk-off field goal to win by one. I think Tulane covers, but I think it's a track meet. I think the first one to 40 wins. Well, actually, the second one to 40, because I'm going to have Tulane at 40. <laughs> and I'm going to have USC kicking the field goal at 41. So I'm going to say 81 points scored in the game with USC winning at the buzzer. So you're going to go well over the over, which Bet Online has in that 63-point area for the game. So 41-40 USC. And I'm going to anger some people here, because I am not sure if Caleb Williams is fully healthy. And if he is not fully healthy, USC is not USC. Tulane is going to be incredibly motivated to prove their worth as the top group of five team, as a team making its first big major bowl appearance since 1939. I think it's going to be an upset, folks. I think it's 34-30 Tulane. So I'm going to anger a lot of my fan base probably here, Tim. But I've got to go with what I think is going to happen, and that is a 34-30 Tulane victory. Well, when we started this, when this podcast began, I was right there with you. But as I began talking about Caleb and thinking about Lincoln, you know, I, I felt like, gosh, you know what? I just I cannot bet against Lincoln and against Caleb totally. I will bet against them in terms of the spread, but not against them in terms of the W or the L. But now, listen, like I said, you're not alone. Vegas is begging people to pick Tulane here, you know, with the number at two. So that's obvious. But I, I will not be shocked at all if the Green Wave win the game. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, it really doesn't hurt USC that much were they to lose. But boy, oh boy, does it make Tulane. I mean, it's that's the front cover of next year's brochure for them if they happen to win it. So I could be completely wrong with my prediction if Caleb Williams is fully healthy. I'm just not so sure about his health, and that is why I had to go with the Tulane pick. I want USC to win. I want to make sure everyone is clear on that. I want USC to win, but I am not sure about the health of Caleb Williams. That is what scares me. I've had hamstring injuries in the past. I know how long they take to recover from, so we'll see about that. And then, of course, the final prediction, the always fun and popular prop bet prediction. Mine is called Nara's No Doubter. And for this one, 
Part of why I think USC is going to lose is because of the offensive line. Missing two first-team All-Americans is just a tough thing to deal with. You don't have your center, Brett Nealon. You don't have Andrew Voorhees. So I think Nara's no-doubter is that USC allows at least four sacks in this game. And when you combine that with a quarterback who may not be at 100% ability to escape the rush, I think there's going to be at least four sacks by Tulane in this one. Tim, you always come up with some good names for your pick. So what are you calling it? And what is your prop bet prediction? Well, yeah, I think you're on to something there with regard to the offensive line issue. I believe the freshman, right, uh, Murphy, is likely to be at right tackle. And those defensive ends that I touched base with you on when discussing this two-lane team, they are, without question, a major difference maker in this game. And in that group, Darius Hodges and Patrick Jenkins, they had 10 sacks between them this year. I'm going to say they'll get half that. I think the two of them will collaborate for five sacks in this game, and that'll be what keeps either Tulane in the game or helps them win the game. Those losses in the offensive front, coupled with the quickness and speed, and really a defense that, you know, anytime you talk about an upstart team, you talk about their offense a lot more, and for good reason. Pratt's a is an outstanding quarterback with great numbers. But Tulane has won this year with their defense more often than their offense. So I'm going to go with their ends against the USC tackles and say that they get five sacks between the two of them. So you're saying Hodges and Jenkins combine for five sacks, just right. those two guys. All right. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're almost kind of doubling down on what my prediction is, where exactly. I just think they're going to have at least four sacks. You're saying those two guys on their own are going to have five sacks. All right. right. So that'll be an interesting thing to look at. So to recap our predictions, the players we believe in, both going on the defensive line for USC. I'm taking Tuli Tuipulotu. Tim Brando is taking Nick Figueroa. Two All-Americans. One, Tuli Tuipulotu, a unanimous All-American. Nick Figueroa, an academic All-American. In the score, I'm shocking people. I'm taking Tulane to win 34-30 against everything in me as a Trojan, but I'm just not sure about Caleb Williams being 100%, so I'm taking Tulane to win by four. Tim Brando has USC squeaking it out at the buzzer with a last-second field goal, 41-40, for Tulane to cover the two-point spread that USC is favored by on Bet Online. And in our prop bet, Nara's no-doubter is that USC will allow at least four sacks in this one, and Tim, you didn't give me a name though. We need a name for your pick. <laughs> wave sack. How about that? Wave so sack. It's Tim's no doubt wave, wave sack. sack. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> Tim's wave sack is that the two edge rushers for Tulane, Hodges and Jenkins, will combine for five sacks on their own. So again, I lead my guests by four points. There are six points up for grabs in this final predictions of the year. So we'll see if Tim can do it for all the guests and come back and beat me on this one. So we shall see. It's always interesting to see how the predictions turn out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.